0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the number of COVID-19 cases is on the way up. You'll hear an update from the governor and some advice on the use of surgical masks. In the Sunrise interview, we'll talk with Representative Chip Lamarca about how Florida ports are dealing with coronavirus. After her hubby kicked butt on Super Tuesday, Jill Biden is coming to Florida. She's making campaign stops in Orlando and Miami Saturday. The Florida House votes to step up efforts to subpoena Tiffany Carr so they can grill the former boss of the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence about her $7 million payday. The Florida Senate approves a resolution condemning groups that espouse their superiority over other people because of race, nationality, gender, religion, or disability. The Senate has also approved a separate bill on the Ocoee race riot of 1920. Whites were so outraged that a black millionaire was getting people to the polls on Election Day that they lynched him, massacred 60 African Americans, burned down the black section of Ocoee, and then stole the land. And they did it with the help of state officials. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and our usual update on Florida man, including the Florida congressman who wore a gas mask on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, March 6th. The number of Floridians diagnosed with coronavirus continues to rise. Governor Ron DeSantis says there are two more cases in Florida and five people who were quarantined before they reached Florida after returning from China.
1: We were uh, alerted yesterday that there was a Florida resident in Washington state who had tested positive. Uh, we've since found out that there's a total of five Florida residents who had been traveling from China were quarantined per the federal government, have tested positive. Now, they're not going to be released from quarantine until they test negative. um, So we don't anticipate that having any impact on the people actually living in Florida. These are all people who were in China, um, traveled to the United States. The travel restrictions were such that those individuals were being quarantined. So you have a 14-day quarantine. If you don't develop symptoms, then, then at that point, you're released. If you do develop symptoms, you're tested and then you will remain in quarantine until you test negative. So once they test negative, then they will be able to come back and, um, and obviously they don't pose a, a threat to the, to the public health at that point. We did though get um, uh, another presumptive positive test for an individual uh, elderly with severe uh, underlying conditions in Santa Rosa County he had been doing international travel. Um, he's not in a in shape to, to fully answer all the questions. So there's an investigation um, ongoing, but that is a, a presumptive positive. It's not been confirmed by the CDC, but I think we're at the point now where with the local testing, you know, we're highly confident uh, that that's going to be verified. And so Department of Health will, uh, will put out more information um, on that. And, and obviously the investigation is ongoing, but that is somebody who uh, did have underlying conditions and then is, I think he's over the age of 70 and had been doing international travel. And so if you look at the data that's coming out for people who are elderly and frail and people who have underlying medical conditions, that is overwhelmingly the audience uh, that that is or the the, the groups that are most susceptible uh, to COVID-19. South Korea has been doing a good job putting out their statistics. They've had over 5000 cases and um, they've had no fatality under 30 at all and very few even under 50 and the fatalities are overwhelmingly people who are elderly and who have underlying conditions and so we earlier this week put out guidance for the nursing homes assisted living facilities hhs cdc did something similar from the federal level Uh, so, so we really believe looking at the data about how this virus is affecting people and then if it is affecting certain demographics And obviously, you know, we want to make sure that that people are are wise to that and that the people who run nursing homes are taking appropriate uh, responses.
0: One of the big concerns now is making sure there are enough surgical masks for health care workers to protect themselves. Governor Ron DeSantis says you can help by not wearing one.
1: We have at the Department of Health at the state a stockpile of over 150,000 of those. But the message has got to be for just the average person going to Amazon, buying a mask, That is not what you need to be doing. The CDC has been very clear on that. In fact, if you put the mask on, you're more likely to be fiddling around your face and actually, you may even be more likely to transmit um, the virus if you're in contact with it. So those really need to be used for healthcare professionals um, who are treating patients uh, who may or may not have this, this illness but who may be susceptible to it. So as long as people understand that, I think that that will help us maybe put, put a little relief on that. But, but our Department of Health has stockpiled some Um, And and we want to help any way we can with that. But we would love to see 3M be able to produce millions of these things in short order. I mean, that would really take a lot of relief um, on. And I think a lot of the healthcare folks are looking like, okay, we're fine now, you know, we're getting a few calls, most of the people have been negative, but you know, what if we have a surge all of a sudden, you know, how is that gonna impact our workforce? And the problem is if the workforce is exposed, then they've gotta self isolate for 14 days. And so you would have a potential shortage of personnel. And so that could be very problematic. So so do not go out and buy these masks. If you're just an, an, an individual citizen, that is totally contrary to what the CDC is recommending. And I think it'll make it more difficult for our healthcare professionals to. To do what they need to
0: do. And one side effect of the coronavirus a massive healthcare conference in Orlando has been canceled. The Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society had been expecting 44,000 attendees and a speech from Donald Trump on Monday. It's the first time in 58 years the conference has been canceled. More on the coronavirus later in the Sunrise interview and the Florida Man segment. Jill Biden is coming to Miami and Orlando Saturday to campaign for her husband ahead of the Florida primary on March 17th. She'll be appearing at the Miami-Dade Teachers Union picnic at noon Saturday and at the Florida LGBTQ plus Democratic Caucus conference in Orlando on Saturday evening. This will be her third swing through Florida in support of Joe Biden's presidential campaign. He's riding high now, having stormed through Super Tuesday, winning nine states and taking the delegate count lead from Bernie Sanders. Biden has also pulled back into the lead in Florida polls, and that happened before his resurgence on Super Tuesday. The Florida House votes to expand the search for Tiffany Carr so they can serve as a subpoena of the former director of the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence. The House tried to serve her since February 18th, but House Public Integrity and Ethics Chairman Tom Leek says attempts to serve her at her North Carolina home have been blocked by guards at the Gated Community, where she lives in a new $2 million mansion. Carr received $7.5 million in compensation over a three-year period. The Attorney General and the Department of Children and Families are suing. Governor Ron DeSantis says they want that money back.
1: you have a situation here where, you know, there are state and federal funds involved in trying to help victims of domestic violence. And instead, that money is being used to line people's pockets, uh, do fraudulent paid time off fund mansions, I think, out of state. Um, and so we would like to see whether you know, you're able to, to get some of that money back. The fact of the matter is those were not appropriate uses of the funds. And now there's still investigations ongoing, uh, but I think that was appropriate. I think the legislature acted very quickly. I was happy to sign that bill. And then the attorney general's acting, and I think that, that she should do that. Whatever money's there, you know, that money needs to go put on the target of why it's being appropriated and that is to help people who are victims. And if someone thinks that they can get into this and make millions of dollars, that's not what this is about. This is supposed to be about a public service where you're serving people um, who are in unfortunate situations.
0: The House wants Carr to testify before the Public Integrity and Ethics Committee next week. The Florida Senate approves a resolution condemning white nationalists, white supremacists, incels, and any other group that espouses the superiority of one group of people over another because of race, gender, nationality, religion, or disability. The resolution was sponsored by Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez. The Senate resolution
2: rejects and condemns any philosophy that incites one group against another, specifically including those philosophies embraced by white nationalists and white supremacists. Uh, This responds to a sad reality we have inherited in the past and continues in the present. Uh, This language is a language that was developed from two resolutions filed on the same day, one by myself, one by uh, Leader Simpson, both uh, in the wake of the massacre in El Paso at the hands of a gunman, 22 killed, 24 injured. Uh, That was the inspiration for this resolution, and I ask for uh, all of us to uh, join in uh, this condemnation.
0: The resolution was approved on a voice vote. No one spoke against it. Now, a resolution is not the same as a bill because it doesn't actually do anything. It merely expresses the sentiment of the Senate. But there is a separate bill on a similar topic that actually does something. Senator Randolph Bracey of Ocoee is the sponsor of SB 1262, which addresses a dark chapter of Florida history, the Ocoee Election Day Massacre of 1920.
3: The Ocoee Election Day Massacre is still to this day the bloodiest day in modern American political history. On the presidential election in 1920, it is estimated that up to 60 African-Americans were killed in Ocoee, Florida, a place where I currently live. A man named July Perry, a wealthy African-American in 1920 organized the black community of about 250 residents to vote in the presidential election in 1920. For his organizing efforts, July Perry was lynched by a mob, the African-American section of Okoe was burned to the ground, and the other African-American residents were either killed or forced to flee for their lives. Our state government played a pivotal role in this massacre. They deputized the mob. The state courts conspired to transfer to the members of the mob the remaining property of the black residents that were forced to leave. And finally, there was no proper state investigation. What this bill does, it directs the Commissioner of Education's African American History Task Force to examine ways in which the history of Ocoee violence can be taught in our schools. It provides ways for the Secretary of State to determine how the Museum of Florida History and other state museums can propagate the history of OCOI violence and to seek such history's inclusion in the National Museum of African American History and Culture of the Smithsonian Institution. The bill directs the Secretary of Environmental Protection to assess if any state park may be named in recognition of any victim of the Ocoee violence. And last, the bill encourages school boards to consider naming facilities in recognition of victims of the Ocoee violence.
1: questions? Questions on the bill? Senator Powell from the 30th.
3: Thank you, Mr. President. And Senator Bracey, thank you for bringing this bill forward because uh, prior to this information that you brought to us, in appropriations I didn't know anything about this uh particular incident my question is is there something just perspective that you uh anticipate after this that there'll be further steps in terms of making sure that things are implemented and um, more information is is given out with regard to the Akhoi massacre senator Bracey Thank you, Mr. Powell. Um, excuse me, Senator Powell. I have not <laughs> thought about what we do uh, after this bill is passed. Uh, you know, this is the 100th year anniversary of this massacre, and so I, I thought that what's in this bill is appropriate to, to have the history of what happened in Okoe to be taught. My hope is that there is some possible scholarship money to give to the descendants of the massacre but that is not a part of this bill at this point. But we'll see what we do going forward.
1: Senator from the
3: 19th, Senator Roussan in questions. Senator, thank you for bringing this good bill forward. As legislators across this country are erecting more barriers to prevent people from voting, why do you think it's important that we know the history of the struggle of a people who want the right to vote? Why do you think it's important that that history be told?
1: Senator Bracey.
3: I think if we don't know our history, we're doomed to repeat it. And so I I think it's important that we talk about the history of voter suppression, not just in this country, but specifically in Florida. Um, Florida has a terrible history of of voter suppression. Florida has the highest incidences of, of, of lynchings of any state per capita. And so I think it's important that we know our history so that uh, we can move forward together
0: in the proper way. Bracey's bill passed the Senate with a unanimous vote. It's on its way to the House. Next up, we talk with a South Florida lawmaker about how the ports are dealing with coronavirus. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics.
2: It takes a special calling to be a nurse, but misguided laws are preventing qualified nurses from providing care. We can change that. Ask your legislator to expand scope of practice for nurses. Empower nurses to do the jobs they were trained to do. Paid for by Americans for Prosperity.
0: Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is State Representative Chip Lamarca of Broward County, whose district includes Port Everglades. There are 15 deep water ports in Florida, and Lamarca says they become one of the front lines in the fight to limit the spread of coronavirus.
2: It was important to me, coming from a, a county commission that uh, oversaw the airport and seaport in Broward County, uh, to keep an eye on what was going on, not not just on the health aspect, but also on an economic impact uh, with our ports, our uh, 15 deep water ports in the state of Florida. Um, there's so much that interacts with the world trade and uh, cruise passengers. So whether it's mariners or or cruise passengers want to make sure they're okay, want to make sure that the ports are taking extraordinary measures to clean everything from escalators to terminals uh, seating areas to counters to all the things that they may be doing normally but not quite in the frequency just to make sure that's going on and then see what the interaction is with um, with people at the ports coming in again mariners from different countries if we we don't for example in port everglades we don't have uh, asian trade for example miami does so we want to make sure we have an eye on that and then really the economic impact of what what is this doing for the supply chain? What's this doing for cargo and freight and all that?
0: Are all of these, like the longshoremen or the the ship workers, are they screened at all? Or how are we protecting ourselves to make sure it doesn't come in that way?
2: Um, So the longshoremen, uh, the folks, that the handlers, anybody that deals with uh, freight, cargo, fuel, bulk, uh, cruise uh, vessels, will have, uh, will, will go through a typical screening. In other words, if they have any symptoms, that type of thing. But when we say screening, it's just, are you feeling any symptoms uh, upper resp- or lower respiratory, any uh, fever, any of these issues, breathing. Um, th- they're certainly not going to do a, uh, for example, a COVID nineteen test on everybody just because it's really it's a DNA test. I mean, it's a it's a pretty it's it's pretty, it's expensive pretty involved. Too, yeah. yeah. So I think once uh, if somebody presents, they'll pull them off and and, and do that. So um, we haven't had any incidents yet with any of the Florida ports, but again, that's that's why I'm trying to stay on
0: visits. What are the stakes here? I mean, how how big of it is is that the port system to the economy of Florida?
2: Oh, it's, uh, it is much, much, much more than people realize. Um, When I was the county commissioner, I I would go to areas that were far away from Port Everglades and explain the economic impacts of the cruise industry, the cargo industry, where we get all of our fuel for jet planes, as well as our cars. Um, And people were really amazed at the impact. I mean, Everglades, um, is you know 30 billion dollars in an economic impact Miami's in and around that same area and Canaveral has tremendous impact Tampa has uh, the other half of the state's fuel from Everglades so um, it's it really has a, a tremendous impact on the fact that Florida moves forward and and supports all these jobs
0: uh, you just got off a conference call with the governor and his people about what's going on now anything new
2: um no they're they're uh, expanding uh you know coverage as far as screenings and and uh, advising everyone to work through the normal protocol which is the health department's not going to the emergency room um the the biggest thing here is to, to stay uh stay calm and not be panicked it's uh you know if we just look at straight numbers and i don't want to minimize this at all and certainly the federal government uh I, th- I think is taking this very seriously now and the state of florida has from the beginning but you know we it, if we look at numbers from the flu versus numbers from this um we don't want to minimize this again but it, it we, we just need to be aware of if you're if you're not feeling well if you have presenting any of these symptoms that we really need to get to the to the health department and make sure that uh, you've been affected and the biggest thing is have you had any contact with anyone from Italy, Iran, South Korea or China? China was the initial but really a lot of the cases in the US are coming
0: from uh
2: Italy. Now, everyone
0: seems to say, you know, don't panic, it's not that bad yet, but have you tried to buy hand sanitizer lately at a drugstore in this state?
2: You know, there, was, there seemed to be a run on – I'm not sure what the correlation was. There there's a run on toilet paper down in South Florida. Um, somebody made the comment here as well as hand sanitizer. And it was interesting. I got a text from my wife. She said, thanks for putting uh, Lysol wipes or Clorox wipes on the regular delivery for Amazon. So we have a ton of that back at home. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is uh, situational and personal uh, awareness – uh, the call covered if you're if you're around somebody who's sneezing or coughing, don't be, you know, step back, uh, make sure that that person is coughing into a or sneezing into a, you know, into their to their elbow or, you know, their their their, their jacket sleeve or, or a hanky or something. And just, you know, we just have to, have to be aware uh, of what's what our surroundings are. And I, I will say that I've not been in a situation prior to this where i've seen people wipe uh, wash their hands in such a uh, such a fastidious manner where they're you know really being thorough of of washing their hands
0: so hey maybe it's teaching hygiene a little better now is the timing a concern i mean with any luck you guys will be out of here in about two weeks with with luck, with any luck. <laughs> but but that's it seems like <clears throat> this should be the time when the legislature is here to do something about it yeah well so uh
2: the lieutenant governor is is running point uh for the governor's office and then uh uh, Dr. Rivke's Surgeon General, as well as Dr. Robertson uh, uh, Health, health uh, Department uh, for the state, and uh, they're interacting as well with Commissioner Corcoran because we've got hundreds of thousands of students in, uh, in our schools in the state of Florida. Um, so from a standpoint of the timing of that we're here, it's probably best if there needs to be any additional appropriations for test kits, that type of thing that we can't get from the feds quick enough, then you know we're here to act. I think that's... Uh, if there's any reason for us to be here any longer I, certainly to take care of the people of Florida would be one of them okay
0: so will there be more money for the Health Department before the end of the session
2: uh, you know uh, I, I would I would assume so I mean if they brought something to us uh, I certainly wouldn't be on the, uh, the no side of that I want to make sure that people are people are comfortable that they're that uh, that you know they have the access to the availability of of these resources whether it's in rural counties or urban counties
0: Okay. and as we come up toward the end of the session Mm-hmm. What do you make of what's going on with the budget negotiations? Uh,
2: you know, this is my second session, and last year um, it's ironic because today was uh, was our first day of session. Last year, and we were so within a period of a year, we've been through two sessions. Um, last year, we extended for all of a uh, half a half a day, just you know, the morning of Saturday after session to actually vote on the budget. Um, I think it'll get worked out. I mean, I. I I haven't been able to get a straight answer as to whether we'll be we'll stay through the weekend after when we were supposed to scheduled to be here, or if it's going to be a another week, uh, uh, a week after that. And um was also talk of whether there's a gaming uh, deal to be made, and you know that's going to factor into everything. So we may end up coming back for another full week, uh, whether it's the 16th of
0: March or the 23rd. You're just an optimistic SOB, aren't you?
2: Well, my birthday's on March 16th, so <laughs> I certainly don't want to be here for it. <laughs>
0: And it's time now for your calendar of political events. And check this out. The legislature is actually working today instead of taking the day off like they did last week and the week before. The Senate holds a floor session at 10, the House is meeting at 10.30, and the House has eight pages of bills lined up for debate. The Florida Commission on Ethics meets at 8.30. They'll consider a question about whether Russell Weigel, who was selected in December to become the next commissioner of the Office of Financial Regulation, would have a conflict of interest involving the sale of his law firm. Florida Congressman John Rutherford is holding a roundtable discussion with the Florida Defense Contractors Association. It starts at 1030 at Northrop Grumman in St. Augustine. An investiture ceremony will be held at 3 for Rachel Nordby, who was appointed last year to the 1st District Court of Appeal. And a fundraising reception is scheduled for Congressman Greg Stubbe in Sarasota at 530 as he seeks re-election in District 17. And it's time once again for the adventures of Florida Man, who sometimes serves in Congress. A Florida man wore a mask to the U.S. House of Representatives when lawmakers were voting on emergency funding to fight the coronavirus. We are not talking about a surgical mask here. It was a full-face gas mask. Matt Gates of Okaloosa County says he did it because the floor of the house is a Petri dish. He says members of Congress all fly into dirty airports, touch and selfie everyone they meet along the way, and then gather in close quarters in the chamber. Finally, authorities in Collier County say a Florida woman who was drunk and belligerent attacked a deputy with a tampon. 18-year-old Olivia Pichuk and a friend had been drinking and were asked to leave a cafe in Naples, so they stumbled to a nearby parking lot. When a deputy asked for her ID, the woman began digging through her purse, pulled out a wrapped tampon, and asked the deputy to hold it. When he ignored the request, the deputy says she hit him with the tampon. After she was handcuffed, deputies found two fake IDs along with her real one. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. This is Rick Flag in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.